Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Time now to ease into the weekend this Friday morning with our Friday morning coffee break and delighted to welcome to the studio the Commercial Director of the Limerick Leader, Fergal Deegan. Good morning to you, morning, Fergal. From Narrative 4, our friend James Lawler, good morning to you. Morning, and Joe. the Director of Limerick City Gallery, uh, Una McCarthy, is here as well. And you're welcome, Una. Good morning to you. Um, and November's a long month, Fergal, and it's a particularly long month for, for you and you and James just chatting about what you gave up Looking forward to December? I always look forward to December, Joe. It's mm-hmm. Christmas. I'm a Christmas buff, but yeah. Yeah, it's happening Sunday. <laughs> it starts. Um, and the madness starts. But it's funny, actually, because uh, I, walking the dog every night, the amount of people that actually have Christmas trees and Christmas decorations up already, uh, I don't know. It's coming sooner and sooner and closer and closer. People are beginning. The minute Halloween is over, stick up the Christmas decorations. You do the dry November. I do the dry November, yeah. And everyone tells me I'm working, I'm grumpy. Everyone tells me at home I'm grumpy. And everyone tells me I'm a different person for the month of November. So they can all look forward to the happy Friday <laughs> from Sunday. <laughs> and what about you, James? What did you give up? I gave up Twitter for the month of November. So I took a 21st century uh, spin on the dry November. And uh, yeah, I just decided to kind of reduce my, my social media. So I, I, I uh, deleted uh, Twitter because I found I was spending a lot more time on it and uh yeah i um i struggled with it i'll admit uh, especially when you use it for work a lot i was kind of relying people on work you know can you tweet this out or and a few people uh said it to me oh you never retweeted this or you never and i you know i, I actually i had to make a declaration on it on the first day of november and i'm off it for the month so yeah would you do it again i would i would yeah what was the benefit twitter i suppose Social media is kind of. Uh, I've been on Twitter for I suppose like over ten years, and um, at first, like it was kind of something you just check in a few times a week, and it was kind of informative, it was fun. Um, but recently, I suppose in the last year or two, it's just gone so divisive, and there's a lot of fake accounts, there's a lot of hatred, um, and you just see it, and it's just not a really good space sometimes. And uh, yeah, you you become, you're, it is addictive, you know. You do like I could spend could spend an hour on Twitter a day, you know, in the evening time or... Yeah, you know. yeah. What about you, Anna? I gave up pasta. Oh. Pasta? <laughs> oh, that's an interesting mm. one. Yeah, the, the, you know, the twirly one. Yes. Not every type, but just... Oh, just the twirly yeah, one. just the twirly and, and would you For be a big November. fan of them? Huge fan, yeah. <laughs> But I saw you shaking your head about Twitter as well. I, you see, I don't do it. So I don't understand it. I'm not a... What is it? A, a, a digital native or whatever. I mean, I'm not... I, I'm of an older cohort... But I find it extraordinary. I was just at lunch yesterday. We had an opening in the gallery last night. And just how obsessed people are, even at, you know, a kind of a a lunch, very, you know, civic-minded or whatever. But everybody was on their phone. And I just, I can't get it. Apart from the etiquette thing, I just find this addiction thing that you need to be on top of everything all the time. Um, I was saying to, um, you know, rather than being jittery, he, you know, James was probably twittery, you know, <laughs> for the first few days. And I, I, as I said, hands up, I don't understand it. I don't do any job. Facebook, Twitter, either, and I'm in the media game all my life, and 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 uh, my wife gives me a bit of grief. She can't understand how I survive in the media industry without uh, being on any of the social. Networks, but look, 
I would be of the old tradition. You're better off meeting people, sitting down with people, eyeballing people. And yes, they all have their advantages and they all have their disadvantages. Yeah. And then you go to the fake news and then you give, go to the control legislations and you can say what you like. And if I didn't like you in the morning I was on it, I could call you whatever. But I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I suppose, in a way, I'm just thinking again of uh, one of the exhibitions that opened last night called State of Print and thinking about 500 years ago when the Gutenberg printer was introduced and how that revolutionised, you know, for, you know, state nations even and states and governments and how that was abused as well. Um, you know, I'm particularly thinking of, you know, period during the Reformation. Um, so I think it's it's a kind of, a, and we have to facilitate it and, and find out what is good about it and what is maybe not so good about it. Yeah, I, I must say, James, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's a really interesting thing that you did for the month, you know, and, and I presume, you know, and as a, a younger guy yourself, I, I'm assuming that that really, you felt really caught off, did you? Well, I was still on Instagram and Facebook. So. <laughs> Just Twitter. Just Twitter. So did you spend more time on Instagram and Facebook because you were off Twitter? No, I suppose what I've been doing for the last two years is I don't have the apps on my phone. So if I have to log in, I have to make a conscious effort to log in because I found I'm just... I do it without even thinking. And I've, I have been trying to kind of reduce my time on it because it's just, you know, you can do better things with your time and go for a walk or run in the evening rather than being in front of your television scrolling, you know, yeah, reading people's yeah. comments. Yeah, I think I, I have to make more of an effort as well. It's amazing how it creeps up on you. It yeah. really is amazing. Now, this thing about... The printer. <laughs> the, the, oh. The, the 230 grand spent on the structural works to fit the printer into Kildare House where it is and the money that it cost itself and then the two grand a month in storage while the building work was, was going on. I mean, you're just going, you know, what the total bill approaching what, 1. 1.4, 1.5, 1.6 almost, million, if you take everything into account. Almost 2 million. And the company, apparently, it was a UK based company, did advise them of the headroom that was required. But apparently, nobody understood what headroom meant. So, I mean, what it brings me back to thinking what? of, yeah, well, this is, I mean, I'm reading yes. the newspaper. Yes, yes, yes. I'm only believing what I'm reading. But I think it brings me back to the time. Do you remember the electronic voting machines? I do Martin indeed. Cullen? I remember was it them 40, well. Was it 40 million? They're in storage. They're still in storage. So, I mean, no, it, it just beggars belief. It really does. And it's the sort of thing that really annoys people as well who are coming up to Christmas, minding every penny that they have. And this... It's it's kind of an obscenity, I think. You know, it's kind of nobody's money. I think John Downing was saying that this morning in his column yeah. in, the, in the Irish Independent. You know, public money is nobody's money. So nobody is but, held to account. Well, Fergal, you know a fair bit about printers. I mean, did they need a printer that size to do what they do in and around well, Linster House? It's very interesting, Joe, unless it's gold age and gilt age and, 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 and really specific stuff that, that, that they're printing in there, I'm sure you could actually send up, set up a full print plant for that money with numerous machines. Um, I was talking to Brendan Ring about it actually because you know Brendan's above in cube printing and we were kind of laughing. He put in a new machine recently and like it filled a full warehouse, you know, and it didn't cost that amount of money. So I, I'm fascinated actually to see what the printing machine looks like <laughs> um, and what it does. Maybe you can talk to it, Joe, and it just says print that and it'll print it for you. <laughs> because did I see somewhere that they're going to need a forklift to load the printer? That it's so it's so big and so and the amount of paper and 
But what are they printing up there, Joe? Well, I mean, I, like, I mean, I, well, well, I'm assuming it's an awful lot of election literature, but, isn't it? And I'm also <laughs> curious, if I may, sorry, James, yeah. but I, the, the other thing that really has exercised me is, is the whole environmental thing. I mean, surely we should be moving away from, you know, these hordes of printed material coming through people's you know, letterboxes during election campaigns, it, you know, that it would be done electronically. So I kind of asked myself about where and who is thinking what. Well, I was always under the impression, Joe, that the politicians themselves got a budget and did their own printing mm. when it came to election time. Mm. So unless it's just government papers or, you know, books or whatever, when the all these inquiries are going on. Legislation, maybe, whatever. that sort yeah. of stuff, yeah. yeah. yeah must yeah. be a lot of it going on, Joe. Yeah, must be a lot of uh, TDs and, you know, Christmas cards this year. So <laughs> it's probably going to be printing, you know, Christmas cards and different things like that it's crazy it's crazy amount of money and uh, like I suppose like we need to take ownership that public money is our own money and um, and that's kind of a sober because I'm just trying to think you know and and people listening as well you know wherever you work or whatever you do could you imagine having to explain to your boss that there were no measurements done or it wasn't understood what headroom was and you couldn't get the printer you bought into the building or the room that it was designated for. Sure, you'd be sacked. I mean, if you're working, if if you were given the project to do and you were given to find out all the ins and outs and ups and downs of the project and you came back and suddenly you said, oh, sorry, what I'm after buying won't fit in the front door. Mm. I mean, you're in trouble. I mean, and that that is, I suppose, that's the sad part. There is no accountability, you know, whereas in our day-to-day lives, we, we have to in our day-to-day job... Um, I mean, you put in an expense for a cup of coffee and you don't have the receipt. It's you, accountability. You, you don't get it. I, that's a small uh, example. No, it was but, a good you know, example. Um, so, but I mean, somebody who bought the printer and couldn't fit it, basically couldn't fit it into the building. I mean, something wrong somewhere. Right. We're chatting to Fergal Deegan, to James Lawler, to Una McCarthy. We're in the middle of our Friday morning coffee break and we will be back in just a second. But not, of course, before somebody just rings up to have a go at poor Fergal. Claire Hurley rang to say to Fergal, up Shannon, down Young Monsters. And that was it. <laughs> Story of my life, Joe. We're in the middle of our Friday morning coffee break and with me in the studio, Una McCarthy from Limerick City Gallery, James Lawler from Narrative 4 and Fergal Deegan from the Limerick Leader. Um, here's an interesting one that I hadn't heard of, I have to say. Well, I'd heard of one part of this FOMO, fear of missing out, but what I hadn't heard of, apparently the same guy who came up with that, now has fear of better options, that apparently it's the next big thing that comes along that will stop you getting involved in a relationship, for example. There's somebody in front of you, you feel there's that connection, there's that fizz, but you don't move forward because you have a fear of a better option coming around the corner. And that applies to life in general. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> uh, I, um, yeah, I, can, I, I know that fear of missing out if you're on Netflix and there's just like hundreds of options, you know, it's not like you turn on the TV and you have, you know, your couple of channels or whatever, you know. So, um, yeah, it is. I think it is. It's something that, yeah, it's, it's, we, we're given more options, but we actually waste more time because we, we, do, we don't pick anything. And I'm, that's me. Like, I'm on a plane and I'm looking at all the different TV and I spend an hour going through it and I start watching something and then half an hour in, I'm like, no, I want to watch something else. And yeah. It's a 21st century problem again, yeah. I thought it was a cuddly toy. <laughs> I thought, ooh, it sounds nice, you know, FOMO um, for this time of the, time of the year. Um, I suppose I, I grew up in single channel land, you know, black and white, or Stonaling and British Shaw. So quite honestly, it doesn't happen for me. You know, I, what, I, what is 
before me, I accept as um, the thing that is there to be done. And I'm not waiting out for these better, not at my age anyway. But you know the person that you meet at like a social event or mm. something and they spend their entire time looking over your shoulder. Mm. Is there someone yeah, more, more interesting, interesting, more important uh-huh, in their minds uh-huh. that they need to go yeah. and talk to? Yeah, I think that that's kind of part of it, isn't it? It is, Joe, but like <clears throat> a fear of missing out. I think we all have a fear of something, right? And, and depending on, I suppose, you, the circles you travel in or you, you go to something or like even if it's going to a match and the, the player passes you and you want to get a picture with the player and then you don't know how to do it and then the fear and you're going, I never got, had the opportunity or it can be simple things like that, right? But there is, I think in all of us, right, I've never heard the expression, but I do think in all of us. Now, and people, as you said, it probably is a 21st century problem. Um, it's hard enough to get through each day and depending on the pressures of your job, the pressures of, of, of every day today, and then to be thinking like, oh no, there's something coming up. No, if I miss that or if I miss the grand opening of this or if I miss... But there is, I think, within all of us, there is a certain little bit of saying, I missed that. Yeah. Last, I had the opportunity and I didn't take it. Yeah, you know? and I suppose it applies to all things that happen in life, you know, the road that you didn't travel for all sorts of reasons. Yeah, but there's also kind of an acceptance of que sera, sera, you know, what will be, will be. And really, you can crucify yourself with thinking about, oh my God, I could have, I should have, I didn't and I might have done and really pity. <laughs> I, I think the younger generation don't have that 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 fear or whatever. They just go and do. I want to do this, I'm doing it. Or I'm not. Whereas we were, what if I'd yeah, taken up the left road instead of the right road? Or what if I'd, I'd mm. not crossed that? Or what if I'd not met that person? Or what? And I think that's our generation. But I, I look at the younger generation, and you're far more like, I'm going here, or I'm doing this, or, 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 it's very funny. I was, I was in the car, I have a 20 year old daughter, right? I was in the car the other day, and she told me, Dad, live in the moment. I'm driving the car. That's the statement. <laughs> and, you know, that's what they do. It's, a good, it's a good way to be to live is. in the present, isn't it? It is. Whereas we're kind of thinking, yeah. you know, what should happen three, three weeks' months from time now? now yeah. two, you know, and it's, it's gas and it, it right. does changes everything. That's right. Um, now, the one thing that always leads to a heated debate in my house um, is the mention of this particular place because um, my other half, loves Limerick, loves living in Limerick. The one thing I did say to her was, Marks and Spencer. Marks and Spencer is coming to Limerick. She's in Limerick a long time now. And we Marks, are, Joe. <laughs> and Marks and Spencer still hasn't arrived. And Michael Tiernan, the property man who is redeveloping Arthur's Key in Limerick City Centre, he announced earlier in the year that there had been an agreement with Marks and Spencer to be the anchor ta- tenant for the redeveloped Arthur's Key. But this week, he said, because the opera site on board Planall hearing was going on, well, if the, onboard, the opera site doesn't happen in the way that it's being constructed, then Marks and Spencer are unlikely to come to Limerick. What, what do we think of that? There's, there's a famous play by Samuel Beckett, you know, Waiting for Godot. It's a bit like that. <laughs> oh, I saw it. It's a bit like that in Limerick, Waiting for, for Marks and Spencers. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it, it comes up so often. It comes up, I say, once a year. I think it's like, uh, it's like a silly season story or something like that. Like once a year, it, this story pops up and waiting for Marks and Spencers, um, whether, whether it will come or not. It, to me, like it, it wouldn't. It doesn't doesn't really interest me, really. Whether you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not a, I'm not a Marks and Spencer's uh, fan. Like I, I wouldn't go out of my way to go into a store. You know, you wouldn't. No, I think when I lived in Belfast, I'd, I'd 
probably like pop in but uh, yeah it's to a certain I think to a certain generation it's really really attractive place to, to shop yeah I would far prefer to see small independent shops coming back into the city centre if it is life we want to breathe back into the city centre it's not big you know multinational chain brands I think the day of the Marks and Sparks knickers or you know the takeaway for two is gone. There are plenty of places where you can buy that sort of stuff. I mean, if you take it from a fashion point of view, it's pretty dull and it's pretty boring. Quality might be there, but honestly, I, you know, I really don't see that, that it is going to invest anything in the city centre which right. I think is on its knees at the moment. And I would just, really, would you I, say? Because well, I mean, really, you're running the Limerick City Gallery. I'm you know? running Limerick City Gallery and I lived in Limerick City Centre back in the late 70s, early 80s. And it was a, a thriving, you know, there was a bustle about the place. People were in and out. After five o'clock, six o'clock, the streets are dead. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I live in the city centre and we had this conversation down in in, in a Treaty City Brewery last week about the future for Limerick. And I hear this story all the time about it's dead. But if you think, like, even last night I was in the Limerick City Gallery, there was an event on, we had an event on. Like, if you even think culturally, Armstrong House, Fab Lab, and I actually hate that narrative that the city is that the city is dead after five o'clock because if you walk into any restaurant it's hard to get a table at the moment I was trying to book something there for a work thing recently and I could only get like a five o'clock table like so sometimes I know people say that narrative but sometimes I, I don't think I don't think it's yeah I, <clears throat> I don't think one particular brand is is the, is the solution for, for Limerick City Centre and I mean yeah look yes the city needs life the city is dead like I remember the days you had three or four cinemas you come in at night that yeah. brought people in yeah. you, you then stayed in and you had your drink but there was a reason for coming in the probably survivors ahead of its time we knocked the theatre in the middle of the city uh, and we had cinemas with theatres with everything that brought there was a reason for coming you want to go to the cinema no it's it's the outskirts of town you want to go to theatre no uh, the lime tree is the closest sort of with a bell table is there as well but it's a small it's 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 sized down so apart from from the commercial offering and I'm always I always have this row commercially because of the business I mean retail Limerick is the one is is dead and that's the one that needs the injection one organisation or one one brand is not going to solve that mm. agreement on we need 10 or 20 new business shops, retail, moving into the city. We have more restaurants now, coffee shops. We've become, like, I remember that you, you had about three restaurants that you could book in town, end of story. No, we have every choice that you want, which is great. We have every coffee shop that you want, which is great, but we need retail. I'd like to just thank James for the shout-out for the Limerick City Gallery of Art last night. You know, there were over 200 people there at four magnificent um exhibitions that opened and I agree and maybe I get trapped in my own I, know, little, I understand that I think you know, that happens bubble. to everybody yeah. um, <clears throat> but it does feel to me as somebody who can compare and contrast and that's really what I'm, I'm doing yeah. but I also take it that you know maybe my um, strolls down Limerick City Centre at you know 8 or 12 o'clock at night are limited yeah. the, the only thing I'd say and I think we'd all agree on this the clock is ticking here on Limerick City Centre mm. the clock is mm. ticking you know, it feels to me, we talked about 2030 plans and we have seen some progress there in fairness since that plan was launched, was it 2013? But we're about to enter the next decade. We're about to go into the 2020s. 
Yeah, we all need to support it and support the businesses in the city centre. You know? Yeah, and actually, if I may very briefly, very briefly, no, I'm under stop the pressure. Yeah. That somebody has said that the way forward is actually bringing, as they are proposing in the upper centre, uh, the library service will be coming back into the city centre. It is places like Narrative 4, Ormston, ourselves, the Hunt. We do bring something very important. Okay, very good. Great to chat to you. Una McCarthy from Limerick City Gallery, James Lawler from Narrative 4, and Fergal Deegan from the Limerick Leader. Call Limerick today now on 461995.